Howdy folks, welcome to our podcast, American Cowboy in New Zealand. This is Ben Longwell with True West Horsemanship. We're glad you're here. Join us as we share stories and adventures and interview extraordinary men and women in the equine and ranching industries to gain insight into horsemanship and life itself. It is our mission to help people and their horses better understand one another and achieve together that which they cannot do individually. Thanks for riding along with us. Alrighty guys, thanks for tuning in again. Today I'd like to talk about a few little details with our horses. How many of you know horses are into the details? Everything means something to a horse, nothing means nothing. And uh, they can be pretty aware of their situation and their circumstances and, and that's the way they are. We, uh, we sometimes we want to take that away from them or we want to dull them down, but they naturally are animals that are incredibly aware of their environment, aware of their circumstances, and that goes back to their number one priority, their safety and their comfort. That is what they think about the most, and that is what's most important to them. I often talk through the, these sorts of details in my clinics, you know, and really in those priorities, the way they, they maintain that priority of safety and comfort is primarily in the herd, so they're herd animals, obviously, and then also with the freedom to move their feet. And, and flight, obviously, is, is their preferred method of survival. And what we don't sometimes realize is how much of an effect we can have on their well-being and the way they feel about life because we actually come in and we mess up both of those areas. You know, we take them away from their comfort zone or their herd and we take control of their feet, or we try to take charge of their feet, and, and they don't have the freedom to move their feet. So that can have quite a big effect on them. But we're going to touch on a few things concerning a couple of pitfalls in the traditional way we approach horses and the way that most of us have been taught to. Uh, their vision, how their vision works, uh, what can lead to evasion, evasion in position, and then ultimately holes in their level of acceptance or understanding of some really fundamental or basic things. These are the sorts of things that are very, very common in a lot of different disciplines and a lot of different folks' experience with horses that they're not even aware of that can, that can lead to trouble or accidents, but can also lead to a less than optimal relationship and partnership because of what's actually being communicated or the lack thereof in the leadership. So first of all, the traditional approach, we've almost all of us been taught to approach a horse from the left. We are taught to halter them, lead them, saddle them, bridle them, mount and dismount all from the left side or what's called the near side as opposed to the off side, which is the right side. And I regularly ask people why they think this is. Where did this come from? What is the purpose or function of it? How did it historically develop? And many, many folks don't know. I'm, I'm constantly educating folks on this and you know where this came from and how it was developed. So if you go back in history and literally centuries and centuries, thousands of years even, uh, basically for as long as people have been riding horses, they were used as transportation and for warfare. And Every, even every day, there, even if you weren't in warfare, a lot of people would have been armed, and most people are right-handed. And so 
what this came to to be sort of the norm is that if you were had a sword or a, a, a dagger or something of any length and you were right-handed you had that on your left hip and so mounting you from the left side you swing a leg over that's all good if you try to mount from the the right side you swing a leg and a sword over you poke your horse in the side with the sword I always say things could get a little Western and so long story short you fast forward to the days of the cavalry past the days of the knights and the uh, you know into the days of the organized cavalry's Napoleon and then into the American cavalry and, and those sorts of that sort of historical setting and things getting very standardized as the military does very structured and orderly and uniform and so everybody had to do things exactly the same way in order for that to fit in the military then fast forward a little bit more early 1900s big time industrialization a lot of people coming into horses without a prior background in horses and you end up with a lot of people being instructed you know that this is the way we do things and a lot of those instructors were coming out of the military particularly in dressage or some of those English style disciplines this is this is where their background was was in the military and so this is how it came to be so standardized in the at least Western civilization but does this approach fit the horse if we define horsemanship I like to define horsemanship as a way of being around a horse that fits the horse and this approach doesn't really fit the horse and the reason one reason why is that we got to understand how horses see things what how their vision actually works it's quite different than ours so they have two large fields of almost entirely monocular vision so because their eyes are, are mounted on the side of their head they can see a very wide range of vision wider than ours but it is two separate fields of monocular or or a single eye seeing that field of vision on the right and then the left eye seeing the field of vision on the left and then they have a certain range of binocular vision out in front of them they actually have a blind spot from about a yard or a meter in front directly in front of their uh, their two eyes like the front of their forehead and moving in towards between their two eyes there's there's a blind spot right in there where the binocular vision and, and all vision ceases right there. But the main thing that we need to be aware of is the different way that they're seeing things because of those big fields of monocular vision and the way then that they're processing what they see. So they are literally taking in data and stimulus from both sides of themselves at the same time, but it's separate fields of vision. And so when we spend a lot or even the majority of our time on the left side doing all the things we do, like I stated before, on the left side, we, we could leave some big holes over there on the right side and not ever even know about it. Uh, we could leave them not understanding or not having been exposed to certain things, having seen them from the right side or accepted and understood things in that right field of vision and their brain is you know it's connected but it operates different than ours does and one reason why is because of these two big fields of vision I'll give you an example here a few years ago we spent a few months back near my hometown in Colorado uh, while it was winter down here in New Zealand we went up there for the summer and had some work on a big ranch west of my hometown 
about 300,000 acre place that um, I was starting a bunch of young, young colts for. And the older horse that they had given me to work with uh, these youngsters on, he had actually bucked a guy off, I don't know, maybe the fall before that. This fella had been riding and they were pushing cows and, and pretty solid horse by all accounts. But essentially what had happened is as the guy was, was riding along uh, pushing, pushing this herd of cows, he had turned over to his left to holler or talk to somebody back a ways over to his left. And at that point, a cow shot from right to left of him in, in front and his horse went after this cow by itself. He got thrown off balance to the right as that horse shot after that cow to the left and he ended up kind of hanging off that right side and that horse panicked, completely panicked about seeing him in that right eye and his weight being over there and all of those factors coming together and he started to spin. And that horse spun until he slung the guy off, busted up his femur and I don't know what all else, pretty bad wreck that may not have had to have happened if that horse had been better exposed in that right eye to different things going on. It's a good practice for us, as well as our horses, to basically do everything that we do on both sides. Make sure that our horse is seeing, understanding, accepting all the stuff that we're going to do. In my business, True West Horsemanship, I regularly start colts and I always make it a habit to do everything that I'm doing on both sides. I want that horse well-rounded and that visually they can see and accept and understand everything that we're, we're dealing with in both fields of vision. That there's that uh, exposure and that understanding there. You know, I run into so many folks in my clinics that aren't even aware of how their horse is seeing things and then how important position is. I talk a lot about position as being actually part of our body language, which is kind of a catchword, and I like to define it, and position is one of those elements that I define it. That's another subject for another day, but they've, for whatever reason, the horse is actually repositioning them and taking a side or an eye away from them or putting them back on a different side or a different eye, for whatever reason, there's, there could be any number of reasons and more than one factor going on there by all means. For instance, the horse might be wary about seeing you out of one eye, so he keeps putting you back in the other one. Maybe he's more comfortable there. Maybe it's a habit, you know. We've always done things in the left eye, so he just gives us the left eye. He just isn't as familiar or comfortable with seeing you just out of the right eye. And these things start to come about when we start to be more specific and clear about our body language and our groundwork. We can really start to see some of these little holes or these little details. And to us, we might say, well, what difference does it make? If I can get on and ride and I can go do whatever I want to do, what difference does it really make? And I always say, well, it would be hard to quantify that, right? It would be hard to say how big of a difference it would make, but nothing means nothing to a horse. Those details, if he's actively and repetitively repositioning us, maybe he's being dominant, needs to control where you're, you're at. Maybe that, you know, she, she has a strong uh, personality there. 
maybe it's just a habit because we've formed that habit in them through mechanization or over repetition or or just the way we've approached things but in the long run we can't really expect them to come along with us thoroughly trusting our leadership when we're missing important details like this there's pieces that are missing and it's not gonna you know when we run out there in the real world and run into something that's going to challenge our partnership and our ability for them to trust our leadership and come through that not just to survive it but for both of us to get better through it then those sorts of details are important and it's pretty difficult to say how fixing up some of those things might have helped that situation if that situation doesn't specifically have to do with what we're talking about here. However, sometimes it does. Sometimes it very much has exactly that factor in there. I remember one time, you never know, you know, when this is going to be needed or, 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 or when you might run into a situation where you hope you, you're going to hope that you've gone, gone over this. I remember another time in Colorado at this same ranch, actually, one of the youngsters that I'd gotten started was a nice red roan gelding. And we were going up through the rocks and, and pinion trees. And, and we came to, we were kind of along the side of a hill, pretty steep, and it was rocky and pretty brushy. The trail narrowed right down to, you know, a goat track just about. And the, 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 I came to a gate. I came to a fence line with a little gate in it. This gate couldn't have been you know, more than about a yard or maybe four feet wide, just a little wire gate. And there was a rim rock up to my left and a big tree to my right. There was just a little, just enough room to sort of squeeze through that gap and, and get through that gate. Well, there was no turning around. And I thought, well, I'll just make my way through here and figure out where else I can get to here. And I did. I opened the gate, stepped off of him, right? Well, I couldn't step off, okay, the, I couldn't turn him around, right? So I had to step off the right side uh, at one point through there. I can't remember if it was before the gate or after the gate. But uh, I think what had happened is I, maybe I stepped off the left side before the gate and then I, I went through and that rim rock was right there. There was no room for him to turn around. And so as I closed the gate, I stepped back on the right side. And, you know, it wasn't anything to him or I, but I actually stopped right there and I made a video on my phone to address this exact thing on one of my Thoughtful Thursday uh, little videos that I put out. And I just did it right then and there because it just captured how important it is to prepare for the inevitable or prepare for the unexpected. And it, it, it was just it was just easy there was there no neither one of us batted an eye it was just what we've always done and so i guess all that to say don't wait until we need something to work on it don't wait until you're up against something to work on some of these things now we never know what we're going to face out there you know if you're if you're a trail rider if you are a cowboy if you're getting out, uh, even even competition riders in the arena, you know, you never know what you're going to face at a, at a competition. Different things going on, different situations and whatnot. And we ne may never know really how our horses are going to handle a specific set of factors or be, you know, be able to be prepared for all of those factors to come at us. But 
the more we can understand the way our horses are seeing and looking at life and the way they think, the better we're going to be able to be prepared for whatever it is. I think we need to recognize the little pieces that make up the whole picture of what it is we'd like to achieve. What it is we'd like to achieve. What, how, are, how can we get those things broken down into smaller steps and rebuild piece by piece or increment by increment to help our horses develop confidence and understanding one step at a time. And then not just what we'd like to achieve, but to go over and above that to expose them to, to more as we're able to, uh, to get normal to a higher level. That's the way I think about it when I'm starting Colts is I don't want their normal and their level of acceptance to be everything's real quiet and perfect and easy and slow. You know, a lot of them may need that to begin with to build their confidence, but I want to, I want to ex expand their comfort zones so that normal to them where they're, and they're cool with it is actually quite a bit higher than what real normal is going to be so that they can operate in within that bigger comfort zone and be okay with a whole lot of stuff that life's going to throw at us. So I hope you find that helpful. I hope that's given you something to think about. Keep a leg on each side and your mind in the middle. We'll catch you down the road. Well, that's all from us today. Thank you for listening to American Cowboy in New Zealand. If you like this episode, please share and leave your five-star rating or review. Remember, you can find us on social media or our website, truewesthorsemanship.com.